Welcome back. Oh, I'm back in California. This is the first time we've recorded apart for a while. So much. But I'm coming back in literally three days. (laughs) It's still too long. Oh, I feel so loved. (laughs) Um, But since I'm back in California, that means I'm reading out of my hardback first edition (gasps) Words of Radiance. That's gorgeous. This is the one with the color... (sighs) The painted interior. Oh, it's With beautiful. Shalon on the Shattered Plains. Yeah. I'm holding it up to the camera for Emily to see. Um, <laughs> Everyone else this... can use your imagination. Because it's better it's than also mine. Is <laughs> it's signed. Because this is a opening night BYU bookstore version <laughs> of the book. And this That's was before amazing. Brandon pre-signed them. This was back when you got to wait in line to get the signature on it. I'm pretty sure. It was so long ago. This first it's edition... It's not a core memory of yours? Well, I've been to so many. <laughs> <laughs> this was the first uh, Brandon signing I went to. Um, I did get... So this is back in 2014. So this is nine years ago. And I did win a pair of ATM earrings in the drawing. Oh, that's cool. So I won a pair of Mistborn earrings. But Emily, have I told you that there is a big change between first edition and second edition of Words of Radiance? I know you and I mentioned it. I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast. There's a color change. Oh, that's that's tiny. Oh, that's uh, tiny. There's a, yeah, in one of Shalon's flashbacks, her mom is wearing a different color dress in this version than it is in, in a later version. But we haven't got to it yet. But I want you to know we are going to dedicate, like, I, knowing us, 40 minutes to talking about what got changed okay. in this book. We're not there yet, though. Uh, this week, we read oh, wait, chapters. Can I, can I oh. just interject something really fast? Yeah. So, yeah. you have a signed copy. I do. My It's not my life goal, but one of the things I collect in my life are books. And on top of that, I try and collect signed books or get them signed as often as possible. And being in Utah, there are some great uh, bookstores around here that will invite authors to come in. But I'm realizing, like, I have an entire shelf dedicated to all the Brandon Sanderson books that you bought me. And none (laughs) of them are signed. So I have my work cut out for me. Well, technically, you did buy a signed Brandon book once because I got you <laughs> to go to the the Star Site release to mm-hmm. get me a signed book from him. Yes, but you own so, that. That's yours. I have that like is true. I have like some signed V. E. Schwab books. I have some Megan Whalen Turner, the Thief series. I've got those signed. Uh, the Raven Boys by Maggie Stiefvater. Uh, it just it's. It's just something that's like a little extra special to like have the author's signature. I'll get that. I'll make that happen for you. We could ask Dan Wells to sign your Brandon Sanderson book. (laughs) I have, I should bring I'm Not a Serial Killer and have him sign it. Or would that be weird? You should. That wouldn't be weird. I mean, Dan, do you listen to our podcast? (laughs) Write in. Next time we just happen to run into you. Okay. I will say I own an entire Regency romance series by Sarah Eden. I mean, there's like 
minimum of 12 books in this series so far. I'm coming for you, Sarah. I don't know where you are, and I don't know where you sign books. And I have so many I need you to sign. Uh, is she coming to, not Young Riders. <gasps> She's going to be at Storymakers. Storymakers. Okay, yeah. I'll walk around with my arm full of books looking for her. Well, so I know at LTUE they have a mass signing night mm-hmm. where all of the authors are in one big room and you can like bring whatever to whomever. Do they have something similar like that at Storymakers? Um, I don't know. The thing is, this is my first time going to this writer's conference at Storymakers and they have offered to set me up with a guide who will take me around the whole time. What? Like a plaid person at Disney. Do it! Get a plaid! Get a Storymakers plaid! That's so cool. That's really nice of them. So I'm excited and looking forward to that. So thank you for letting me go in on that tangent. Uh, have you bought your tickets to LTUE? No, I told you I can't go this year. Oh, that's okay. I'm not even on the special guest list this year. Okay. Uh, but you know who is? Phil Folio. Uh, he's the illustrator for and co-writer of Girl Genius. <gasps> oh, this is like he's one of your the favorites. guest of honor this year. Yeah, it's been one of my favorites, you guys, for like 15 years, easy. And he's guest of honor this year. And I'm really excited to meet him and talk with him and be like, you don't understand the hold girl genius has on me. You guys, this is, it's a fun steampunk webcomic. It's the first steampunk anything I ever read. And it's got such a hold on me. But like this series, it won the Hugo Award so many times that Phil and his wife, Kaya, were like, hey, um... We respectfully decline any further Hugo nominations. Someone else can win for a while. This is one of the series that I am obsessed with adapting for the screen, either live action or animated. (sighs) Anyway, thank you listeners for enjoying our prologue. My name is Megan and I should get back to cleaning my apartment. My name is Emily and I should probably still be unpacking. But instead, instead, we're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. Before we get going, I want to shout out to our new podcast friends. Uh, if you've listened to us on Roswell, we've already talked about them, but I want to shout out to Gray's Academy. Hello, Gray's Academy. My favorite Gray's Anatomy podcast run by Carmen and Kelsey. I've been listening to them for just over a year. Uh, maybe a year and a half, and then I finally messaged them on Instagram to be like, I love your show. This is great. So Carmen and Kelsey are our new podcasting friends. Maybe maybe someday we'll do a swap episode with them for fun. But anyway. Well, the thing is, there's no prom episode in, in Words of Radiance. <laughs> I'm sure there's a ball or a fit. Do you know what? Do you know what? Emily, Kaladin's a surgeon. Oh, duh. <laughs> We'll do we'll do a surgery episode okay. swap for them. Um, I love that. But anyway, this week we read four chapters. We read chapter sixty three, a burning world. Chapter sixty four, treasures. Chapter sixty five, the one who deserves it, and chapter sixty six, storm blessings. So hey, I'm, Emily, I'm looking. Oh yes, I was just gonna first brush what did you think of these chapters but say your thing you wanted to say first look how much we have left compared to what we've read we have like I, less than a third of the book left to go i hoisted up my coffee today and flipped to i'm like oh about halfway 
halfway through. And then I was like, oh my gosh. And I just started flipping pages and flipping pages. And yeah, we are careening around the corner to the end of Words of Radiance. (laughs) Hey, Emily, first brush. What did you think about these chapters? Everyone like leveled up in cool points. (laughs) Uh. Hey, what was the commotion outside Kaladin's jail cell? Aelin throwing himself in jail. I loved that. I didn't, like, it surprised me so much. Uh-huh. I was just like, like Aelin, oh, you have a heart. Yeah. Okay, so, Emily, you're pretty good at guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very funny to me that when I asked you what you thought this commotion was, you are like, probably Moash or bridge four, and you said, there's no way it could be Adolin. <laughs> I've broken my, my witchy streak. No, 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 no. He's, listen, we are really finding out how Adolin's loyalties work, mm-hmm. right? Because he's been so suspicious and so down on Kaladin this whole time, but once, like, Kaladin proved himself honorable, mm-hmm. Adolin's like, we're, you know what, best friends forever. Best friends forever. Um... First, though, let's talk about chapter 63, A Burning World. All right. Which is a Shallan chapter. Emily, can you read me an epigraph? It says, now look what you've made me say. You've always been able to bring out the most extreme in me, old friend. And I do still name you a friend for all that you weary me. Ooh. So- wow. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, not a lot. Because the, uh, the epigraphs in this section are all pieces of a letter. And yeah, so, I went back to the previous chapter just now to see, now look what you made me say. And I'm like, what did he say? But it's out of order. Yep. Okay. So, Shalon is writing to Adolin. And Emily, now that you know where Adolin was, what do you think of this fan read conversation? I love it. I just, so we'll get into it. But yes, Adolin was in jail. He threw himself in jail. But we find out he still had a few amenities. I mean, he's a prince who's there voluntarily, yeah. like, you know. But the idea of him, I'm going to say languishing in jail, like, lying on a bench. And in his, I'm assuming he's, like, in his words, I'm languishing in jail. And he's like, I miss Shalon. And he brings an Arden <laughs> in to write something. I had actually forgotten. Listen, it's been so long since we've read. I forgot for a second that... Men don't write in this world. And I was just like, like in my head as I'm, as I'm picturing this scene, you know, Shalon's out writing her own thing. And I'm just like, oh, and Adolin's just sitting there and writing. And that's so cute. You know, I am for the, for the Roshar age. And then it's mentioned like, you know, Shalon's like, oh, I'm just bored. If you want to hang out with me, you can. And, you know, they just make fun of, like, the ardent not having anything better to do than actually sit and transcribe love letters back and forth. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so the very first kind of exchange in their conversation is Adolin's like, what are you doing? And Shalon's like, oh, nothing. And she gives, like, a little bit of a fib. And he says, you want to come visit? This is getting really boring. Mm-hmm. And obviously... Shalon knows what it is. Yeah. But the readers don't. Mm-hmm. And I really like that, that this wasn't like, I think this is a great, this is one of my favorite examples of the characters know something the audience doesn't. And and Shalon could have easily said, oh, yes, Prince Adolin was still in jail where he'd been waiting for the last 10 days or whatever with, with Captain Kaladin. Mm-hmm. But they don't explain it because the characters already know it. So I think this is the secret wife trick done <laughs> right. 
that's also interesting is Brandon, I've noticed, does this really well where something will be going on in the background that's very important to the plot, but the characters in the moment are a little more interesting. And so it's not like he's telling two different stories of what's going on and then switches cameras over to talk about the characters. I like how he has things happen simultaneously. Like I'm thinking about um, the conversation Sadius and his wife have uh, during one yeah. of Adolin's duels, you know, and, and we're still getting a running commentary on the duel because it's very plot important, but also them plotting together is very important. And I just, I really like this technique he has where he's doing so many things on the page, but it's not overwhelming and it's easy to follow. It's really well done writing. Yeah. Uh, so what is Shalon actually doing during this conversation? So she's hiding. She's got her hologram projection out. And she's watching this specific tree. And this tree is fairly mature, which means it's been there since before Sabariel, before, you know, the Alephi came over to the Shattered Plains. There is something in it that she is supposed to get... But, oh yeah, Mraze's note had instructed her to come at sunrise and search the hole in the tree trunk for her instructions. So she came four hours early to like stand watch and see. And she wanted to see who had put the instructions into the tree. But even being there four hours early, they no one has come to put the instructions in the tree. They're clearly already there. And so, yeah. yeah. And from that, Shalon's able to infer that someone is watching for her to show up and get the instructions out of the tree. Shalon, nice. in this chunk of chapters, like, I mean, you remember with me at the beginning of this book, I'm just like, oh, Shalon, come on, <laughs> grow a backbone or whatever. <laughs> she's uh -huh. leveling up very quickly here. And I feel like she's really in her element. She's really getting into this talent that she didn't know she had and it's so fun to watch her grow and blossom and become her own person yep so i love kaladin and sill's adventures right mm -hmm. but there's just something about like the combination of shallan's instincts and patterns information that makes them a really cool duo yes. that's just super fun to read mm -hmm. so while she's watching this and writing back and forth with adolin i'm gonna ping Something that they're prepping the big expedition for everyone loyal to Dalinar going out to do the last big battle against the Parshendi. Mm -hmm. And part of this is going to involve a scouting mission. And Shallan is going to get to come on this scouting mission. Yeah. Uh, she has something very specific she wants. So she kind of, she mentions this kind of later on and we'll talk about it. But um, the idea of trying to keep Adolin Colin's interest. Uh, mm -hmm. where she's worried that she's not going to be able to do it. I think this is a perfect example of her just being herself and being just enough because I think Adolin takes, because we, we've read that um, he's taken other girls out like that before uh, to, you know, the Shattered Probably Danlin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, usually it's for the express purpose, I feel, to see him in his shard plate and to admire him. But Shallan, I love that she is just like, I want to see a chrysalis. That's why I want to go. That's the only reason I want to go. And Adolin's just like, well, yeah, I, I mean, we could probably find one that like has already been harvested or whatever. And she's like, that's not good enough. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're 
so a date. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. are going on a date. Yeah. And like I said, we'll, we'll talk about their relationship later on. Uh, Shalon has some things to think about. And I think she does a really good job. And so we'll get there. So she sent Pattern out because she's like, somebody's watching the tree. This is the best building in which to watch the tree. Ergo, the watcher must be in this building. Pattern looks around and finds who it is. Whom is also watching? Uh, <laughs> it's the the one with the mask. What is her name? Oh, it's, uh, we find out it's Iyatil. I-Y-A-T-I-L. Iyatil. I don't know how you say it. That's the curse of, of this, I, yeah, this I'd, book. I'd say Iyatil or Iyatil. What do you think? Yeah. Listeners, write in. <laughs> Let's say Iyatil. Okay, perfect. But she's because the one that has... we're calling... Sorry, just because um, we pronounce Hattie's wife's name as Eli. So. Oh, that's right. And yeah, this is this is kind of the scary one. I thought she might be a Parshendi, just because mm-hmm. she... It looked like... Remind me if I'm wrong, but it looked like she had carapace or something, either on her mask or growing out of her somewhere. I can't remember her exact description, but she was kind of one of the bigger players um, in the room mm-hmm. when Shalon met the Ghostbloods. Yeah. So, to distract her... Shalon sends Pattern out disguised as Veil to look at the tree. And Pattern is so excited. (laughs) They've been practicing her applying a light weaving to Pattern and having him walk around. And it's not perfect yet. Mm -hmm. You you know, he's, he's like not really interacting with the ground and intersecting through some things. Uh, But this gives Shalon enough time to uh, sneak up in the room where Iatel is watching. You know what this scene reminded me of? Hey. An animator trying to get the trying to get the CGI characters to interact with the world around them. That is so funny you said that because that's what I was thinking <laughs> of and I was like enough of Megan talking about CGI <laughs> but Emily said the code phrase, so here up. we go. You guys, CG objects do not press up against each other unless uh, there's a there's a physics sim going on that specifically, a physics simulation going on that specifically instructs them to do so. Like if you have a, an animated character that's about to put its hand on a doorknob, it's not that the doorknob is solid and you put your character's hand against it and it like can literally push the form. You have to precisely animate your character's hand to be the shape of the knob without actually touching it. This is one of the reasons why uh, things like hair and clothes are so difficult to do in computer animation is the different CG shapes just like intersect and just pass through each other so easily. And it takes a lot of complex simulations to make them collide with each other in a natural way. Nicely done. Yeah, because like you said, this isn't perfect. And so Shalon kind of mentions like Pattern can't walk downstairs. He can't make his disguise do that. It just looks like he'd just be like gliding like a vampire or ghost or whatever. It was just funny that the logistics of it all, because, you know, you think like, oh, just put on a human disguise and you're done. But no, it it has to interact with the world around it. And there's just so many different things to keep track of. It's just such a fun, it's so fun. So while Pattern is doing that, Shalon sneaks into the room where the the watcher is and, and actually comes up on her and scares her and startles her. 
Um, and the woman does have a safe hand glove on, but I don't know if she's a lethe. So I don't know if she's just trying to fit in or if this is something that this woman believes in or not. But just so mm-hmm. we know right now, she has a safe hand on. And a mask. Dun, dun, dun. And a mask. And Shalon says that she sent someone wearing Vale's clothing to go check the thing out. That's what the lady saw out the window, mm-hmm. which is like half true. Oh, I love Shalon's like half truths that aren't lies. Mm-hmm. Um and she's asking, okay, you tell me the instructions. I, I want to hear them from you. And she is to investigate a new arrival in Dalinar's camp. And the Ghostbloods are very curious about Dalinar's allegiances. Mm-hmm. And Shalon tells the truth here. He's loyal to the king and the throne. And I want you to read the woman's reply. Okay, uh... Outwardly, the woman said, his brother knew things of an extraordinary nature. We are uncertain if Dalinar was told of these things or not, and his interactions with Amaram worry us. This newcomer is linked. Hey. Good. Amaram better worry somebody else. Yeah. Stupid Amaram. Stupid Amaram. Who wore Uh, the cloak, the gold cloak, like... Uh, still i'm listen i'm mad about a lot of things he did i'm really mad about that like that really got my (laughs) okay so baker here's the thing his brother knew things of an extraordinary nature technically dalinar is being told extraordinary things in his visions oh that's true but we also know from talking to dalinar that he doesn't like Amaram's not really connected with Dalinar's visions. Dalinar's just like, I need an honorable person to found the Knights Radiant. Yeah. Dang, Dalinar hasn't been a point of view person in these chapters. In- what is he up to? I- He's probably just smooching Navani. Probably. So here's here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that whatever he's doing is very important to the plot. And so in order to keep readers from knowing what that is, Brandon's just like, well, he just won't be a POV character. Easy. Done. Okay, so you think that Dalinar is, is their secret plans? I think there's going to be something, yeah, that Dalinar knows or does that Brandon wanted okay. to keep secret. But, like, if you're in a character's head and you want to keep, like, you can't keep anything a secret. And so I think that might be one of the reasons we can't. Although, as we saw demonstrated earlier, Shalon kept a secret from the audience That's just true. by not telling us. That's true. But it's, but, it's yeah. a very extreme. That's, that She's a very extreme example. She was deliberately like mm-hmm. walling that off. So That's a cool guess. Guess more. What like what kind, what would Dalinar need to keep hidden from the audience? I, I feel like this is going to be an Ocean's Eleven sort of a thing. Like at the end where it's revealed where like all along this was happening. And I'm kind of hoping. So... The Thief by Megan Whalen Turner, those series, that's yeah. like that, where you read yeah. the whole book and you get to the end and everything changes and you go back and read the book and the answers were there all along, but it's so innocuous that you just like go right over them. And so I'm hoping that this book has a little, has more reread. I mean, I'm going to reread it anyway. Megan, you've ruined me. So I'm just hoping, I'm just hoping that like, I don't know. I hope he, I'm hoping Dalinar is helping to set up Amaram's fall and Sadius's okay. fall. I'm hoping we get two falls <laughs> with one stone. 
I'm hoping that Dalinar, Emily, like, puts out a wish list of all the things she wants to happen in the book. And that's why it's not like in, I mean, if you think about book one, we would have Shalon for a part and the Dalinar for a part and then Shalon for a part. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because of secrets, but I like where your head's at. Thank so you. we'll keep an eye on that. All right. So they go to check out this new arrival. New arrival. <laughs> and it is a madman that has been locked away. Emily, who is this man? What sort of devil is he? To have me caught in a trap and then to let me go free? Well, this man has many names, but basically it's Talenalat, which I've been wondering where the heck he's been since he showed up at the end of book one back in this world. And uh, I'm going to skip forward just a little bit and then we can backtrack. Uh, Okay. Someone comes to see this madman and they're just like, Gavilar did it. And I'm like, no, Gavilar, you did it. That's, we did it. Why you didn't do that? He's already brought the gods back. I'm assuming the Herald. Okay, here's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming the Heralds are the Parshendi gods that they didn't want to come back. So they're the Parshendi are ready to come and like kill everybody to keep that from happening. That's why they killed Gavilar in the first place. It's already happened. Consider what if, okay, so we have the desolations is something bad shows up and then the Heralds get called forth to fight it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that. Either the heralds are the Prashendi gods, or what they were set, what they're here to fight could also oh, be the Prashendi gods. Oh, that's true. That's true. I didn't think of that. Anyway, um, let's talk about, let's rewind a little bit mm-hmm. and talk about Shalon and Iatel getting inside the asylum or oh, sanatorium. Yeah. So they're, they're um, traveling and it's revealed because Shalon thinks that she, that, uh, Sorry, how are we going to pronounce this again? Monastery. Nope, Iatil. Iatil. Uh, Shalon is just saying like, oh, trying to figure out what like Marais's like plan is, why she needs to go talk to this madman. And she, you know, lets her know like, oh, and your master. And the woman laughs and she goes, no, he's my student. And all of a sudden I was just like, he's my student. <laughs> so while Marais is the leader of the ghost bloods over here, Emily, I'd like I'd like you to to think on this. If Marais is like the leader of the Ghost Bloods on Roshar, mm-hmm. and this woman is his teacher, what would that? What would you infer, if anything? Oh, I might have to brainstorm on this one for a second, because I we know that they want to destabilize. Uh, well, I don't even know if they want to destabilize. They basically they want to kill Elokar. That's what we know that they want. But I don't know for what purpose. I don't know if they're working with uh, Teravangian. I don't know if they're like a, a third interested party. I, I, okay, you said guess. But right now, I don't know why they have such an interest in Alethkar. Unless there's something they want from Alethkar. Like what, what would they, what would they get out of Alethkar falling or like all of this? chaos when it comes from killing the king do they want delinar on the throne did they say that or am i making that up uh no the people moash was colluding with Mm. they wanted delinar on the throne okay so yeah so with the ghost bloods because i'm trying to think how it connects with shallan because the ghost bloods were bad news for her family uh the ghost bloods went after (gasps) 
Oh, 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 the ghost bloods went after Yasna. Maybe they're going after everybody with Gavilar's bloodline to kill off the like the heirs to the throne, which means Adolin and Renarin are in danger. Ugh. But they have someone that they want to put on the throne that I think they're going to claim is like one of like Gavilar's bastard kids. I'm I'm assuming all kids or all kings have bastard kids. Okay. So to help you out, again, the people Moash was with are not the ghost bloods. Right. So the people Moash is with want Elokar is dead. The ghost bloods wanted Yasna dead, but oh. we're not totally sure why. We're not sure why. Okay, so they haven't said anything about Elokar. No. Okay. So why would they want Yasna dead? Okay. Mm. And Yasna knew who the ghost bloods were because in the first book she's like, hey, Shalon, the ghost bloods are my enemies. Mm-hmm. And then Shalon recognized their sigil and she's like, Yasna, my dad was a part of the ghost bloods. Mm-hmm. So what I'm, what I, hmm, what I'm getting from them so far is because one, they, they went and went out of their way to uh, do their very best to kill Yasna and obviously failed. And two, they're interested in Telenolat, right? Is that, is that... He has a few different names. Is that the name we should be using? Yeah, let's call him Talm. Talm, okay. They're interested in what he has to say. So whatever they're interested in, I think, has to do with the heralds, the recreants, something like that. Um, I don't know if they're for uh, making a desolation come so they can swoop in and, like, I don't know, profit from it, war profiteering. Um, But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I told you a few episodes ago, we have several different secret societies Mm -hmm. that you haven't. Okay. So you know about the ghost bloods. I know about the ghost bloods and Moash's thing. Yeah. Um, Amaram said that the assassin who came after him in book one, did he say that assassin was part of a specific group? If he did, I don't recall. Me neither. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's get let's get back in, and we'll talk more of these secret societies later. All right. Uh, so this is very fun. All of Dalinar. Col- okay, so they have to get past Dalinar Colan's men I to get into the asylum. This. I loved this. So Shalon knows that she could just walk in if she's Shalon. But she has to hide the fact that she is Shalon from Eatel in the car with her. So it's a lot of like, Shalon is literally telling the truth to both factions that she's with right now. Mm-hmm. But the the sins of omission, not sins, sorry. The lies of omission <laughs> is like, I'm Shalon, but I'm sneaking a ghost blood into here. Uh, I'm tricking a ghost blood into thinking I've bribed Dalinar's guards. Oh, and just yeah. like Tin, just like Tin, Eatel is making assumptions of like, because Tin believed that Shalon was lying about who she was. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't believe a, a girl who could be engaged to Adolin Colin would, would be in Shalon's position. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that Eatel is kind of doing the same thing where she's like, oh, the only thing that makes sense is if you had bribed Dalinar's guards because there's no way he would they would let you in like I love I I think this is Shalon's superpower 
is people underestimating her. And I'm assuming that's what's going to get her dad killed. I'm assuming that he, well, we already know he completely underestimates her. Um, and But her brothers don't. Her brothers know what she's capable of. Like, we'll talk about that later, too. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, but how could Iatel have known that she was there with Adolin Colin's betrothed? Like, there's, there's just yeah. no way. I love how delicious this all is. And not only that, where she's like, okay, but how are you going to get us... So you've got us past the gate. How are you going to get us into, like, the area or whatever? And Shalon uses Eatel in her... Subterfuge. Subterfuge. That's such a good word. Where she tells the... She tells the porters that this woman is her sister and is refusing to take the mask off. And I think she's been inhabited by a void bringer. And just like sort of Tin peer pressured Shalon into being a horn eater princess, <laughs> Shalon is peer pressuring Iatel into joining this con with her. Mm-hmm. So this double serves as one, getting Shalon in, and two, keeping Iatel off her back so Shalon can do the mission and use her light weaving and like get into it which is so cool i think this is one of the most clever chapters we've read in the whole book so far mm-hmm. like just the the everything that's happening at once and is just like sliding in oh it's so good so i was just thinking so in uh the last episode i think we released we were talking about um shard blades being kept from dark eyes and what if one of them is incredibly gifted with a shard blade, the way that Kaladin is incredibly gifted with a spear? And Shalon is so perfectly suited here. Like, she's finding out she has a real knack and an instinct and a gift for this. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to be like, Shalon is to being a spy the way Kaladin is to holding a spear. Yeah, yeah. And that... It's, again, just great. You've got your two main characters who are kind of on the same journey. They're not foils, okay? I'm not going to even say that they're foils at this point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, seeing seeing um, them fall into the place that they fit, I think has been really, really fun. Um, and so I have, I have a question that I just thought of. Um, so Shalon tells the... So basically, they've come to this place where like once a month people can come and you don't have to pay. It's kind of like a like a free clinic day, I guess, for the the masses or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she does tell them, oh, I think my sister's been inhabited by a void bringer. Here's my question. Is that a thing? Or is that like a superstition? Because if you'll recall back on one of Shalon's flashbacks where she thinks Middle the Fest. Middle Fest, where she's like, the parrot is talking. What does she say? Something about like, you'll. It's a void bringer. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if this is like a country superstition, which is why the people, the the porters didn't really take her seriously until they see, uh, until they see the, the antics of, of Iatel, uh, you know, following along as best she can, you know, with Shalon's last minute instructions thrown on them. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued because it seems like, everyone's afraid of the void bringers coming but are people watching for signs of the void bringers coming back i don't know so shallan gets to meet what 
pretty much seems like a Harold reborn. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And Emily, we did see him. I know it's been such a long time. We saw him in one of the interludes. Yes. Uh, His point of view with with Dalinar and Elokar and Wit were like all there. mm -hmm. And And he was there and you? Not. And then, then, just like now, he's not really aware of his surroundings. He's just kind of saying the same things over and over and over again. Like, I mean, if we are to believe that this is tall, which I'm pretty sure it is, uh... And if we are to believe that it's been 5,000 years and he's been in hell this whole time, like, of course he's a madman. I would like to point out that, like, from earlier in this chapter where what we were talking about with Tin and uh, Eotil, Mm -hmm. no, whatever, Um, (laughs) just saying there's absolutely no way Shallan could be this person, Shallan literally says... It defies reason that Dalinar Colin would have one of the heralds of the Almighty locked away in the temple and just chalks it up to most madmen think themselves someone else. There's a perfectly reasonable explanation for all of this. Perfectly reasonable. Because really, like, I mean, you think about Eotil. What would it mean if she realized that she had Shallan in the carriage with her versus what would it mean if people realized they had an actual legitimate herald on their hands? Like, I love the parallels. So, um, she summons, she slurps up some of her stormlight to do some light weaving and it causes a huge reaction and it breaks him out of the pattern of, of the words he's been repeating. Mm-hmm. So Emily, what 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 is he? What does Teletolat say to her when he throws her up against the wall after she does some light weaving? Uh, he says one of Ishar's knights. I remember he founded them. Yes, several desolations ago. No longer just talk. It hasn't been for thousands of years. But when? Dot dot dot. Uh, and Shlon, in the meantime, has just I say casually. She summoned her shard blade like. It's, it's there. But he, he doesn't even, like, register that, which should be a huge thing. A woman with a shard blade. He, he doesn't even notice it. He is much more concerned about, uh, at least it seems to me, he's much more concerned about her storm weaving, light weaving with storm light. Yeah. Now, here's a thing. Shalon is a light, uh, she's a light weaver. Who is the patron herald of the Lightweavers? Oh, I should know this. Oh, sh- the one that starts with S H. Sh. Shalash. Shalash. Now he doesn't say that she is uh one of Shalash's. Yeah. He says she's one of Ishar's. And do we know Ishar? And, uh, Ishar is the picture of the bald guy with the beard. Okay. And he is the herald of the bondsmiths. Which there's something about the bondsmiths. There's only supposed to be three types of something and any more mm-hmm. is seen as seditious. Yeah. I vaguely recall that. I hope that makes sense at one point. <laughs> um, 
so Wait, here's real fast. I'm doing I'm doing a little a little searchy search. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um so it says that he is one of Ishar's knights. I remember he founded them. So is he one? Wrong. Is he two? Right? Is he three? Not talking about Shalon. Oh, interesting. Could be talking about, I mean, pattern's there. But I also feel like I say pattern is just a spread. You know I don't mean it like that. But um, that would be interesting because here's, here's, if I remember, one of my guesses was uh, the reason Shalon has a, a shard blade is it was, it was her mother's and it was passed down, you know, like through the generations. And we, we're going to talk about this later, in, but in these next few chapters, like Shalon is still seeing a very bright light where mother's soul is, where she believes her mom's soul is. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if this is a genetic thing or if it's, you know, like you of this bloodline, you are Ishar's knights or something like that. And so maybe that's what's going on. But she doesn't uh, have a lot of time to think about that because stupid Amaram is on his way. Yep. She dismisses her blade after Tom backs up and starts whispering to himself again. Mm-hmm. And she says, Mother's soul. Like she thinks the phrase, Mother's soul, dot, dot, dot. Which I think we've learned that's when she, Just, that's when she checks out. Yeah. Yeah. Shalon, Pattern asked, Shalon, are you mad? She shook herself. How much time had passed? Yes, she said, walking hurriedly towards the door. Mm. So she knows she's got, <laughs> I got issues. <sighs> <laughs> well, we'll get back to that in a second. It's time to talk to Kaladin. Read me the epigraph for 64. Yes, I'm disappointed. Perpetually, as you put it. Did we talk about who is writing this? I assumed it was Wit. Has this been confirmed or denied? Uh, Wit wrote the first one. Okay. And this is a reply to the letter from Wit. Okay. And this line itself is a callback to like, much like your perpetual disappointment, I da-da-da-da-da, and I take it as one of the Cosmere's great constants, mm-hmm. if you remember that line from the, from yeah, the first yeah, letter. Yeah, a bit. When we get to the end of part two, I will actually read the letter from the first book and then this reply back to back. Okay, so, cool. So, Kaladin is not doing good. Not so good. He's been, how, okay, how long has he been here, total? Because, like, someone said something like 10 days, but it felt like three weeks. Like, it felt like way longer than that. I'm searching it, actually. Okay. Because, um, how many days had it been? Kaladin found himself not caring. That worried him. During his time as a slave, he'd also stopped caring about the date. So he talks about, about like, when, you know, when he gets like this, it's like, only worry about when your next meal is going to come. Don't share with people. Like, he's... Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, he was in jail for a total of 15 days. 15, okay. That's a which long I think time. Is Roshar, a week and a half, because okay. their weeks are 10 days long. But that is a really long time. Mm-hmm. That's a full fortnight for us. And also, Emily, one of the reasons why it's been so long 
is the way that I've split up our reading. I've made sure we have three full readings of Kaladin in prison because I wanted it to feel long. Well, it worked. So we, okay, listeners, behind the Emerald Curtain, (laughs) we read about Kaladin going into prison in November and we're recording this in February. (laughs) So he's been languishing. But he is, he's, he's odd that Kaladin is... He's he's freaking out. And he finally, you know, we saw him think this plan earlier. He finally decides to try and pull Stormlight out of the Stormlight lamp that is in the hallway. Mm-hmm. Is he successful? Well, he, I don't think he thinks he is. Because, uh, let's see. Yeah, he reaches out to the lamp and he tries and tries and tries. Nothing happened. No Stormlight. The sphere continued to glow even and steady. But at the end of this little section, because uh, the guards come and check on him every, every you know, like on very clockwork schedule. But the guard frowns at the Dun Sphere and replaces it. So I don't, I'm, I'm trying to, because I know for Brandon, the rules of the world are, is very important. Like his big thing, I think, as a writer is making sure the rules make sense and using the rules to like make the plot cool. Um, so I don't know if there is a distance that you can and can't suck stuff out of Stormlight because it looks like Kaladin can't do it. It takes him a few tries and okay. he actually, in desperation, he prays to the Almighty. Mm, okay. Um, he didn't have someone to properly write and burn the words, but the Almighty listened to hearts, didn't he? Please, not again. I can't go back to that. Please. And the light seems to resist and then it that's flows into right. him. Yeah, that's right. And he holds it because it's trying to escape and he like keeps it inside. And so I don't. Okay, so. Hmm. Warbreaker. In that world, uh-huh. you. Everyone has what's called a breath and you can get more than one. In fact, if you get like a hundred, you get like extra powers. If you get two hundreds, you get super extra powers sort of a thing. But you like hold it inside of you and you decide when it like, when you use it, when you release it and suck it back in. Uh, Stormlight seems a little wilder than that. It seems a little more untamed. Uh, So I don't know if, I mean, they haven't really done any studies on it because it's kind of a new thing. But yeah, it kind of seems to have a mind of its own. I'm doing a Spren Watch thing and I would be so mad if we had missed it. Ah, uh, we missed it. Hey, Emily. What? We got to rewind. We got to rewind back to chapter 62. Okay. I'm so sorry. It happened in 64 and I missed it. It's when he's just about to eat. Where is it? This is 62, <gasps> the one who killed Promises. Yeah, it's before Dalinar comes to... Basically, there's some weird spren that look like taut wires that Kaladin waves away before he eats. Okay. Yeah, flatbread stuffed with bean paste. He stood waving away some strange spren-like taut wires crossing before him. Yeah. I'm so mad we missed that. Emily, these have not been confirmed in the book, Uh but there is a... Are they captivity spren? (gasps) Fandom-wide held belief that they are captivity spren. And there is a reason why Axes the Collector could not see them. Because Spren are not drawn to captivity. They are drawn to the... Emotion. The feeling of captivity. So Kaladin feels 
trapped. Axes knows he could walk out of jail anytime he wanted. That's why he's never been able to see them. Interesting. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and so Kaladin feels so trapped, and that's why he was able to see them. <laughs> that's very cool. I know. I'm so, listeners, I'm so sorry. I missed it. <laughs> um... But anyway, Kaladin's doing really bad, and Scylla's worried about him. Yeah. And then... She says, yeah, you're going dark. And he says, I'll be all right. I just need to get out of this cage. It's worse than that. It's the darkness. The darkness. And then she zones out and starts giggling and goes over to a little Kremlin in the corner of the room. And Kaladin is like, oh, she's still a spread, childlike. The world is such a place of wonder to her. So... Evely, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this little exchange. I think this is similar to what Shalana is going through, where the idea or the emotion is too big for Syl to either fully comprehend at this moment or fully handle. And so I feel like this is Syl's version of dissociating, where she's on the verge of remembering something, because we know that Syl can't remember everything. Yeah. And so I, I feel like that's kind of what's going on here. Cool. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, we cut away from this scene to Shalon in Tom's room and Amaram's coming. Emily, what quick light weaving disguise does she pull on? Well, she's trying to think who she could disguise herself as to fool Amaram and then realizes like, no, she should just hide and so she just takes on darkness like everything she just becomes complete blackness and is hiding in the corner of the room and this the i say the stupidest kind of the dumbest thing i thought while i was doing this i'm like no you're supposed to wear dark green when you hide but i'm like yes that's terry pratchett (laughs) (laughs) that's lord veterinary (laughs) oh emily you are so wise because Darkness is not black. It's in it is influenced by the atmosphere of the room and it's very rare to have a pure black shadow um because especially if you're like outside the you get something called bounce light mm-hmm. where you have what's <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to really organize so I don't talk about this for 20 minutes. <laughs> but um you have a shadow that's cast because a light source can't get past a thing. Mm-hmm. So if you set an apple down on a table, you'll see the shadow it casts from the light in the room. Mm-hmm. But that shadow is not going to be completely black because light bounces off of things. Mm-hmm. It bounces all over a room a ton of different times. And so if you think to your apple on the table, um, the shadow next to it will be, you know, just a little dim, just a little gray. Mm-hmm. And... Actually, one of the big advancements in lighting computer animation is figuring out something called ray tracing. That's the name of the tech that I think Pixar dubbed it, where it used to be if you wanted to cast a shadow in a scene but have it still be like a little blue or a little gray, is you would have to set two lights in the scene. You would have to set the light, that's the main light, and then you'd have to light the shadow itself. Mm -hmm. But ray tracing instead of light just going one direction, calculates all the different angles that light can bounce off and around the room. And this is how they got the reflections in cars to look the way they did, by using excessive 
ray tracing. And so when a light hit Lightning McQueen, no wait, <laughs> Mater's not shiny. When a light hit, uh, when a light hits Mater, it bounces off Mater, and you can see him reflected in Lightning McQueen because the light hits Mater, then it hits Lightning, then it hits the camera, and that's ray tracing. That's so cool. I know. That's so cool. yeah, but listen, there's no way Shalon could know about that. <laughs> so. She's just like, I'm going to hide in the shadow. So, um, small tangent. When I was little, I watched some scary movie, some, some movie about this, this killer who would sneak into the house and then like disguise himself. So like if there was like a brick wall, like he would paint himself to like look like the brick wall and then like wait for people Mm -hmm. to come, come back. And I just remember this one scene where the person who he's been i can't remember if he's been chasing her for several years or what but she's like finally home and safe and then the pair of eyes on the wall just open and that messed me up for a long time because i don't like being jump scared and the idea that someone was there waiting it took me a while to realize like okay that's way too much work to to do that to paint yourself like a background and then wait and hope that the people don't see you until the last possible minute anyways what i'm saying is shalon is my worst nightmare (laughs) emily that sounds so familiar what book was that no it was a it was a movie or a tv like a made for tv movie something about like kids getting kidnapped that sounds so familiar. I might have also seen that. Okay. I'm sure our parents didn't approve of that because <laughs> that was that was a scary movie. <laughs> okay, back. Uh, uh, Amaram is here with someone. Mm-hmm. Do you know who this person's name is? Bor Borden. And we he's... have met. We have or haven't. We have met him before. Okay. Would you Would you like to guess? Well, if they're in the Colins, if they're in the Colins camp, it's got to be somebody with Delinar. Is that the, is this the guy that when the trumpets raise, he like always like looks to it to be like, oh, and you, you know that he's like wishing he was out there? No, but you're close. This is someone from Dalinar's camp. This is the guy who drove Talon here. We saw him in the interlude when um the interlude from Talon's point of view mm-hmm. Dalinar was asking him questions mm-hmm. so this guy has gone to Amaram and told him about Talon why oh because Amaram supposedly bringing back the Knights Radiant well Amaram is not supposed to be here and Borden's pretty nervous about it because uh here Bright Lord, Borden said from the door, I don't like being here. If we're discovered, people might ask questions. Hmm. The treasure. Hey, what what treasure? So he, Amaram, Amaram, okay, Amaram is admiring Talm in a really creepy way, being like, you are beautiful. Like he's, It is really it's creepy. It's really creepy. And, and we kind of realized that... Uh, he asks, because Amram asks Borden, he truly spoke of shard blades? Yes, Borden said, a whole cache of them. The honor blades, Amram whispered. And he's like calling him great prince and like asking for instructions on how to get there. Um, and there's at one point where, 
Let's see. He repeated those words every day, Borden said, but he only spoke of the blades once. But he spoke, Town spoke about the, did he talk about the blades? Hold on. Now that I'm. Sorry, it's 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 interlude seven. Well, no, no, no. I was thinking when he was talking to Shalon just now. Um, oh, okay. But the thing is, he broke out of his, like, repeated mutterings when Shalon came in and was there. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if someone triggered the this other conversation ooh. and who it might have been. Okay, so an, an odd action would result in this odd conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Um, so Amram doesn't hear, like, Tom doesn't repeat the stuff about the blades here, but Borden, because, like, Borden listened to Tom talking the whole time they were in the wagon. Mm-hmm. And so Borden is apparently, like, betraying Dalinar's trust and going to Amram with this. And so he and Amram are going. Uh, Borden knows where this se- uh, supposed cache of shard blades is. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, and Amram, oh. Ugh. Okay, so something I hadn't forgotten, but just like I was really glad that Brandon reminded reminded us of this, where Shalon's sitting in the corner, Amaran comes in, and she's like, that's the man she believes killed her brother, because he carries Halloran's shard, shard blade. blade. Yeah. And so she killed her brother, though. Well, well, you know it was Kaladin, but she doesn't know it's Kaladin. She's just mad at, at Amaran. I have a question. Yes. Hypothetically. Shalon kills Amaram for the murder of Helleran. Mm-hmm. Amaram did not do this murder, but Amaram's done a lot of different murders. Would that still be an unjust killing? I don't think so. Like, my immediate thing is like, no, this is a despicable man who, again, like with the, the surgeon thing about like, if there's a diseased limb, you want to get rid of it. I'm not advocating mm-hmm. for murder in real life, okay? I just this is not don't know murder. how clear this I can metaphorical be metaphorical fiction this. murder. Here's what I'm thinking might, might happen. Well, I say might happen. Um, I feel like if anyone but Kaladin kills Amaram, then Kaladin's going to transfer all of his anger onto that person and go like make it his life's mission to kill that person in order to be like, I lost my chance, but I don't, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of emotion in this and there's a lot of, a lot of revelations I believe that are coming up. Um, but again, with Amaram being so horrible and obviously having killed Kaladin's entire squad and, and, you know, uh, sent Kaladin off so that he, so that Amaram could have the shard blade because, you know, it's, that was the right thing to do. In back to this chapter, I go to recover your treasures. Speak not of them to the others. I will put the blades to good use. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Like, like, don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing. So if this is one of the heralds, uh-huh. Amaram is bossing him around. Speak not of this to others. Like, what, Amram? What are you thinking? What? Blah. He is just high on his own importance. Like he, he believes himself to be so good and so trustworthy, and I, I don't think he really believes that. I think he's just like putting on this very pious act. I mean, not that like when he's alone, he like mwahaha wrings his hands and like you know bathes in blood or whatever, but like. Just this this idea that he is the one that will go and do this thing. 
like, ugh, I don't like it. Amaram believes himself to be the hero, and he's doing hero things. Mm-hmm. He's, I think we've talked about the differences between him and Sadius, mm-hmm. where Sadius is like, yeah, I'm doing bad things. I'm doing them for reasons, mm-hmm. uh, but I know that the things I do are bad. And Amram is like, everything I do, I do for the greater good. Yeah. And he doesn't consider his actions as bad since they have good outcomes. It's for the greater good. Does that make good. sense? The greater good. Um, but yeah, like, Sadius is like, I do bad things for a good outcome. And Amram is like, I do things for a good outcome, and he doesn't consider what he has done to be a bad thing. Yeah. And that, I think, is, like, the main difference between them. Mm-hmm. It's the idea... Hold on, I had a thought. It's the idea that because it is for the greater good, yeah, Amaram can can kind of cast a get-out-of-jail-free card over everything he does, if that makes any sense. That's just how it seems to me of just, like, well, what I'm doing will benefit everyone therefore i'm a saint for doing this thing even if i have to do terrible things he like he's writing his own story and his own versions of the truth and it is bothering me so much that he is i don't even think he's i mean we haven't really been in his head enough and we haven't seen a ton a ton of him but just the idea of i mean killing people in cold blood because it's the right thing to do. Like, no, absolutely yeah. not. That's yeah. not what you do. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Not I mean, with you. Not with Everett. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, Shalon goes to see Iatil on her way out. Mm-hmm. She's and been is like, committed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Shalon's like, you can escape, right? And Iatil's like, yeah. Obviously. Uh, yep. So Shalon gives her a transcription of everything that uh uh town has been saying mm-hmm. and she says hey amaram was also there uh and i will write you guys a thorough report tonight and Iatel is like who are you <laughs> <laughs> tell me <laughs> yeah you caught me in stealth spying upon you. You can lose me in the streets. That is not easily accomplished. Your clever drawings fascinate Marais, another near impossible task. Now what you have done today. And Shalon is feeling appreciated. <laughs> She's like, do you know what? Yeah, I am. Do you know what? I am cool. I'm a cool person. Here's what I'm afraid of is that... I mean, remember we were saying, like, in the carriage, like, there's no way that Iatil could have figured out that it really was Shalon. Like, a lot of stuff that Shalon is doing is easy, everyday stuff. Just she happens to be in this great position to pull it all off. I'm afraid that the ghost bloods, because Shalon is being so cool and is being such a huge help, I'm afraid they're going to try and figure out what her secrets are and how she's doing this and are going to start maybe believing in more and more fantastical measures that Shalon could be taking. And I just feel like they might find her out sooner rather than later. Do you know what I'm worried about? What could Shalon accomplish? Like, I'm worried about the Shalon pattern partnership. Are you? This feels a lot like Aladdin and the genie. Mm-hmm. And like, 
is Shalon going to get too big for her britches and be like, oh, I don't need pattern? See, I don't see that happening because he's a source that of was... knowledge for her. Sorry, to be to be clear, I, I this was my fear the first oh, time I it. was reading it. Okay. Because I was getting afraid of the the Khaled and Sill disagreements at this point, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, if Sill lost her spren, what would that mean for her? Shalon. Light weaving and stuff. Yeah. If Shalon lost her spren. Yeah. Shalon just kind of explains her, explains what she does is she's like, I seek truth. That's very important to me. Which I feel is a callback to Yasna, who was a ver- uh, versatilian. Is that what it was? Truth seeker? Truth watcher. Truth watcher. Else caller. Wait, what? <laughs> so Shalon says, I seek the truth. Wherever it may be, whoever may hold it, that's who I am. And I felt like that was a callback to Yasna, who was a... Veristitalian. me. But yeah, that's what Yasna was. I just really like that, but... Later that night, Shalon gets a message basically from the ghost blood saying like, okay, you're cool. We trust you. You're one of us. Uh, now go get a tattoo. We're going to send you the pattern. <laughs> you can put it wherever you want, but you have to show us the next time you're here. So I don't know if Shalon is actually going to get the tattoo or if she's going to light weave the tattoo on. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, well, Emily, if you got a secret tattoo... <laughs> Where would you hide it? Well, if I had to show someone, that kind of cuts down on the places I feel comfortable putting it. Maybe like, okay. But like, you also have to hide it. You also have to hide it. Um, so I feel like for me, it might be a little easier because like I wear, I don't really ever wear like sleeveless stuff or, you know, things like that. So for uh-huh. me personally, I might put it like, like under like where my armpit is. Okay. Just because like no one's going to see it. I would put it on the underside of my boob. <laughs> no one would ever. That is where I would hide a secret tattoo because people can see, you know, the tops of my cleavage at the Ren Fair, so I can't just put it there. Mm-hmm. And people see my stomach when I go to the beach, so I'm like, wits always covered no matter what, the underside of the moon, <laughs> aka my left boob. <laughs> That's perfect. There you go. So, so is this? I'm. I mean, I would assume it's the three diamonds or whatever it is for the ghost bloods. That's what I'm assuming the the pattern is. Maybe. Maybe. I'm pretty sure that's it too. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Now to a flashback. Wait, um, really fast. This this takes place. This oh, is the next yep. page in my book. I don't know if you have. Uh-huh. It is. The, Do I talk about it? Yeah. The cute little. A uh, chole looks like a cockatiel. Like the head looks like a cockatiel. <laughs> they look so cute. They have these big giant bug eyes and this like little bird beak. And it oh, looks... sorry, I thought you meant the bottom center one. Oh, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Where? <laughs> but yeah, you know, the the little top one with the little. It's so cute. But anyway, it's kind of like the care and feeding of your chole and what you should feed it and everything. And it's mm-hmm. it's just a fun thing to have. So. Yeah. All right. Um, so this is pupating. Yes. Metamorphosis of the chill larva. All right. 65. The ones who deserve it. Yeah! <laughs> so this takes place 
pretty much like only 90 minutes after the last Shalon flashback. Okay. Where she has the book by Yasna Kalin that she's been reading. And I really like that she was critical of this reading because, uh, let's see. Uh, High Lady Colin talked about the nobility of choice as if every woman had such opportunity. The decision between being a mother or a scholar seemed a difficult decision in Yasna's estimation. That wasn't a difficult choice at all. That seemed like a grand place to be. Um, I just I just really enjoyed that Shalon is, I would think with her situation, that she would be someone who would like, freeze or fawn and then just do whatever anyone said but we're seeing little bits of her rebellion come out in 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 just small small the smallest amounts that no one will really detect but like she's she's doing everything she can to keep her family together when her father's trying to pull them apart and the idea that she's not just reading Yasna's collection and being like yes this woman is extremely wise I will accept everything she says at face value I love that she's doing critical thinking about it and like yeah that's absolutely true that yasna's like everyone has a choice when she's grown up i'm not saying that like yasna was spoiled but she's afforded like a lot more freedom in her life and money (laughs) to chase her pursuits well you think about like okay maybe this is silly but like princess jasmine who just like goes outside the palace <laughs> and hands an apple out to a kid, not even thinking like you have to pay for this stuff because like that's never crossed her mind in her life before. So I would like to shout out the uh, Star Kid play <laughs> Twisted and their Princess Jasmine in Fabulous. that play because the whole bit about her is that. She's done a lot of reading and she's a very, this wasn't, this wasn't in general internet terminology back then. She's a very hashtag woke princess because the internet hadn't co-opted that term yet. Um, But she doesn't understand like the privilege of social awareness versus like living in a society. And so (laughs) the thing I'm going to be is, is she's like, ugh. I'm so cold. And a servant comes up to her and is like, a silk shawl, my lady? And Jasmine goes, get that away from me. Don't you know where they make those? In sweatshops. Where have you been? And the servant goes, I've been spinning silk in your private sweatshop, my lady. And Jasmine just goes, you work in one of those places? You're part of the problem. And there's a there's a self-awareness of like the privilege of being able to choose. Mm-hmm. Like uh I'm I'm going to use me as an example. Uh I'm a director and I work in animation and I support myself and I live alone. And 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that might not have been an option for me. Mm-hmm. Uh just just with like the difficulties of getting this sort of position and the like ability to even study art and have, you know, times when I don't have a job, but still being able to save up enough money to get by. I mean, what was it like 40 year time, time. the 1960s, 60 years ago, women couldn't have their own bank accounts. Women couldn't have their own bank women. accounts. 
That's what I said. Oh, sorry. It cut what out. It sounded like men couldn't have their own bank accounts. No, uh, <laughs> it was women. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, I wish I wish Yasna and, Jol- and Shalon had the chance to have spent more time together before she died. Before she but... just slipped out for a minute and she will be back. I don't this is the hill that I will die on unlike Yasna who did not die uh, because Yasna picked an ocean to die on Uh, this is the wave I will die on (laughs) (laughs) okay so um so this is this is just an hour and a half after father has said go kill Helloran he's assassinating my son kill him okayed uh this yeah, and uh, Melise, Shalon's stepmother, went to talk to him, and the last thing Shalon heard was them screaming at each other. She doesn't even know and if her so, stepmother is still alive. Like, this is the sort of house Shalon lives in. And Melise is alive, but her arm is broken. Mm-hmm. She's been beaten by, by Shalon's dad. And so Shalon goes to the kitchen and mixes dad a drink of alcohol. She makes him a, a mold violet wine. Which, the idea that she's handling her violent, abusive dad to, like, placate him and make the house safer for everyone else is such a hard thing for me to, like, swallow. Of just, like, she has to be there and take care of the abuser who is, like, it's pointed out that, like, he doesn't beat Shalon. He doesn't lay a finger on her at all and i don't know how shalon feels about that like obviously no one wants to be beat but like you know sometimes her brothers like resent her for that and her stepmother we find out like definitely resents her for this that sort of thing but it's just so appalling it's so appalling that like she has to go and take care of her dad after he is the one that like committed violence upon their family yeah, and he says to Shalon, I, it's, they won't listen to me. I'm so, I hate that I have to fight my own house. They should support me. This is a bad a situation. Yeah. Like, listen, Kaladin's relationship with his parents was fraught. And, like, I'm not saying his dad always made the best choices for Kaladin, mm-hmm. but... In in absolutely no way did Kaladin grow up in an abusive home or a neglectful home. Like, this is nothing like what Shalon has gone through. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And uh, she promises her dad that she will speak to everyone in the family. And then, ugh, Balot, all of Balot's pet axe hounds have been killed. Mm-hmm. And he so has, sad. he has coped. By doing some animal killing himself. So, Emily, between book one, Balot, and book two, Balot, I know that you're still absolutely horrified by him, but has your understanding oh, of him definitely changed shifted. over the two books? Yeah, yeah. Like, I... And it's, it's like... Yeah. Oh, just like... That's his coping mechanism. Like, it's a terrible one, but that is what he has chosen. That's, like, what brings him emotional regulation. <laughs> no good uh and she does talk to them but not what dad was thinking Mm -hmm. she's like you need to go yeah she 
heavily encourages Balot to leave. He's the quote-unquote oldest now because, you know, Helleran's been declared dead to their father. And she knows that she can't get Melise out of the house. So she kind of gives that assignment to Balot. And Balot is kind of a little ashamed too. He's just like, I should be the one doing this. I should be the one. I should have been able to stop father by now. Like, I like that he's at least aware and he's not like, oh, Shalon, you're so bossy. He's just like, she's right. Like, we have to do something. And yeah. And the reason why Shalon is able to go all around the house and talk to everyone is a lot like what we've seen. She tells most of the truth Mm -hmm. and then people just accept the rest. And so she's able to go in and talk to her stepmother because she says, he wants me to talk to her. Yeah. Yeah, even now she's she's straddling that line between truth and lies. I think it's brilliant. And where is Melise resting? In the place, capital P. Uh, she had not entered this room in years, not since dot, 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 not since dot, dot, dot. And so I really like how the, how Brandon, you know, has given us clues that this is going on. And it's not just, oh, Shalon's being you know, spacey or whatever. Um, I just, I just really like the consistent characterization of Shalon. And, and I think, I mean, I don't want to go off on too big of a tangent, but like, again, didn't like few, didn't like the book Shalon at the beginning, but seeing Uh her journey has been so cool. Um, But anyway, she's in the room with Melise in the place where it happened, which I'm assuming is where her mother died and she raised a hand, shading her eyes against the light coming from behind the painting. How could father sleep in here? How was it that nobody else looked? Nobody cared. That light was blinding. And I don't think this is a hallucination. I I truly think like something is calling her. Yeah. Okay. She has a pretty sad conversation with Melise. Mm-hmm. Again, who is not and... even 10 years older than her stepdaughter. Oh my gosh. Oh, wait, no. Okay. You guys, Cedar Ruiz Royal Love in the Palace. Yeah. Tales from the prologue is the emperor gives one of the wives, one of his sons to adopt. And she's only like seven years older than this son. And she's now his mom. Mm-hmm. This this kid is already a teenager when he gets adopted to her. And I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, uh, so she tells Melise, you're going to go. I've made these plans. Because uh, Melise is just like, he's never going to let me go. And Shalon's like, yeah, you're not going to ask. You're just going to go. Um, if I go, Melise whispered, and Balot with me, who will he hate? Who will he hit? Maybe you finally, the one who actually deserves it. Maybe, Shalon whispered, then left. Like, one by one, if she is successful in getting these people out of the house, she is removing any safety net she has between her and her dad. Like, this is a very self-sacrificing thing to do. Ugh. Emily, what is going to happen? Because before she left, I swear all of her brothers were still there. So maybe she comes up with the plan to go... Maybe maybe Balot was getting ready to leave with Melise and because they want they want Shalon wants them to leave while their dad is on a business trip and it's gonna be a few months from now. 
uh, so that he won't immediately go out and chase them down and bring them back. So I'm wondering if between now and then that's when the whole um, the whole uh, Fabriel thing happens and that's when the dad dies. So maybe the dad only has a few more months to live at this point. How does Shalon kill him? I hope it's with the shard blade. Stabity, stab, stab, stab. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to chapter 66, Storm Blessings, <laughs> a chapter I have been so excited to talk with you about. First off, give me that epigraph. Is not the destruction we have wrought enough? The worlds you now tread bear the touch and design of adenalsium. Our interference so far has brought nothing but pain. Hey, what's adenalsium? So I thought this was a letter to wit, but I thought adenalsium was bad. You you thought adenalsium was bad. You don't say it like that. So, so... Like, odium is bad. I thought odium and adenalsium were, like, intertwined. So is, I don't, I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. This is the second time it's been mentioned in these books. The it's first capitalized. Is wit is, it is capitalized, which you didn't know before mm-hmm. because wit said it as a one-sentence word last time. And so now you know it's a proper noun. And it's something that they bear the touch and design of adenalsium. Mm-hmm. What is it? So I don't know if this is like, for those of you who have seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where Ego <laughs> goes and plants the things on all the planets, and like, if it ties stuff together that way, the touch and design of adenalsium. I don't know. I don't know. I I want so many things. And I want to know what this is. You know, um... You could uh, read uh, and then uh, find out. Is that what I'm supposed to do with that? I had no idea, (laughs) Megan. This is brand new information. (laughs) Anyway, uh, hey, Kaladin is really in a super dark place. Mm -hmm. He is honestly, his his mental state is getting flushed down the toilet. (laughs) With his mind, because he's going into a depressive episode on top of his feelings about being in prison. Mm -hmm. So there's this one paragraph I want to read. With his mind whispering lies, Kaladin could believe that Bridge Four was happy to be rid of him. That they pretended they wanted to be guards just to make him happy. They secretly wanted to go on with their lives. Lives they would enjoy without Kaladin spoiling them. You know what? Uh, Kaladin maybe should have not woken everybody up at the crack of dawn and made them get out of bed (laughs) and train. (laughs) Then maybe he wouldn't be so worried that they all hated him. (laughs) That scene was literally the only time you have ever been on Moash's side about anything. (laughs) Yeah, so time is served. Door clinks open. The king pardoned him today. He hasn't lost any rank or position. And he's lucky. I guess you're lucky. Kaladin, I'm sure, does not see this as lucky. Like, he has suffered. (laughs) He has suffered for this. Um, But as he's walking away, it's... I get a very Scarlet O'Hara with God as my witness sort of a moment. Because 
like he he leaves and he like is feeling the sunshine on his face and he's like remembering okay i'm not a slave i'm a soldier i'm i'm captain kaladin i survived this uh and he says he was free now he could return to his life as a bodyguard but one thing one thing had changed nobody will ever ever do this to me again not king or general not bright lord or bright lady he would die first like kaladin is just like not like oh he got a taste of freedom and now he's like you know running amok or whatever but it's like no no one like just the idea of people running his life that won't happen and i'm intrigued to see what this stint in prison will do to kaladin's reactions to things in the future <laughs> but the thing is like because dalinar coached it like i'm doing this for your own good i'm doing it to protect you maybe that was true but i feel like there were other ways of doing it but he had to do it to placate elokar like i don't know i don't know so he's going down the hallway and someone's like can this farce be over your highness who is here <laughs> who's here so who's in jail it's revealed that adolin has also been languishing in jail the same time the kaladin has been languishing in jail jaildolin <laughs> <laughs> And um, it turns out, because he's like, yeah, he wasn't, sorry, we're both so excited about this. You, you go, you okay. go. Because um, <laughs> Kaladin's like, Elokar put Dalinar's heir in jail. Are you telling me this? And Jailer's like, no, the king had nothing to do with it. Bright Lord Adolin insisted, so long as you were in here, he wouldn't leave. We tried to stop him, but the man's a prince. We can't storm and make him do anything, not even leave. He locked himself away in the cell, and we just had to live with it. <laughs> we had to bring him food, and we had to bring him water for his baths, and we had to send in an artist so he could write letters to his girlfriend. But, um, Emily... This is the moment where I'm like, I trust Adolin Kalin with my life always and forever. Mm -hmm. He has been, he has, by this, he's shown himself to be more honorable, I feel, than his father. Even, than even Dalinar. Even Dalinar. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he asked Kaladin, like, why? Why would you do this? Because, like, Kaladin just had the most horrible experience, you know, in the, in the last few months in this in this cage and he's baffled as to why anyone would do that voluntarily mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the reasons it means so much to him is that adolin wasn't like well i did it for a few days and then i got bored and then i left it was just like nope i was in it for the long haul and kaladin's like he's still confused because kaladin fully realizes how much he messed up with uh challenging amaram to a duel then and he's apologizing to adolin i'm so sorry i messed up your duel with sadius and Adolin's just like, well, without you, regardless of that, I would have been dead. So it's not like Adolin feels like he owes Kaladin a life debt, but something happened that day that like, again, like you said, this is where like Adolin proves his loyalty. I feel like yeah. for Adolin, Kaladin jumping in and coming in to save him, like proved his loyalty forever. Besides, you saved Renarin. Yeah. And I feel like that was very, very important to... Adolin, obviously it's his brother, but I think he's wondering, like, maybe someone else might not have saved Renarin, only they would only have no come in. No one else did. They would only have come in and worried about Adolin, oh. you know, and the fact that 
Mm. Yeah, that Kaladin jumped in and saved his brother meant the world to Adolin. Because, you know what? Amaram didn't. Nope. Supposedly Dalinar the most honorable man ever. Ugh, and I love this. I ruined your chance to duel Sadius. And then Adolin's like, eh, I'd be, I would have been dead, so I couldn't have fought him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, he kind of gives Kaladin an out because he's like, you didn't ruin it. Elokar did that. Elokar did Elokar it. had the power to turn you down, but in the moment, Elokar like freaked out through a tantrum. Elokar was the one who knew the plan. Elokar, oh, see, oh, this storyline with Elokar uh-huh. is killing me because I'm just like, it's going to kill You have created your own problem, Alethkar, <laughs> with this man on the throne by not letting him rule by not like by coddling him by not training him Mm -hmm. i mean this man isn't wasn't ready to be king and has relied on so many people for so long that when he needs to make his own decision he is incapable of doing that so moash was right and elokar should no that is not what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) remember i don't advocate for murder Except sometimes. You do for fictional murder. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, and then I'm going to say Aelin says one more thing, and this is what 100% solidifies it Mm -hmm. for Kaladin. Is Aelin is like, is what you said about Amaram true? And Kaladin's like, yes. And Aelin believes him. Mm -hmm. Aelin is like, I don't need to investigate, I don't need to find out more. I 100% trust that you are telling me the truth. Mm -hmm. And I, listen, I do not ship these boys, but this is like my top friendship in the books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But Aelin has always been a little suspicious of Amaram and Emily. Why is that? Well, he talks about his dad, about how he's just like, my dad's the best man, like, ever. Like, you cannot convince me otherwise. Like, my father is amazing. But he's human. He loses his temper. He makes bad judgment calls. He has a troubled past. But Amaram just kind of seems to, like, shine. And everything he does is perfect. And you have to work very hard because no one is that good. And so he says, this stinks to me of someone who works too hard to maintain his reputation. (laughs) So then he takes Kaladin somewhere, uh, a room with all of Bridge Four, and uh... gives some gifts. He becomes Father Christmas. What? 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 Hey, Emily, what does he try to give Kaladin? Uh, he tries to give him the shard, plate, and blade. Full set. Mm-hmm. Because he's, like, giving him out to different light eyes. And then, like, I think Adolin is really excited to give this to Kaladin. Like, this is a big deal. Everyone wants this. It's worth kingdoms. It's worth the lives of, like, how many bridgemen sort of a thing. And Kaladin's like, this is mine. I can do anything I want with it. You're sure. This is mine. Anything I want. Anything at all. Okay, great. I'm giving it away. Oh, because Emily and like Kaladin at first is freaking out about it. He's like, it's happening again. It's happening again. It's happening again. Because this is exactly what happened with him and Amaram. He's like, I give it to my second in command. And Amaram kills him for it. Mm -hmm. And 
Adolin is like, <laughs> so they come into this room. Everyone's like, hooray! And Adolin's like, here's your present. And Kaladin goes, here's your present. And Kaladin's, and Adolin says, excuse me for a second. And pulls him back out into the hallway. And is like, what are you doing? And it's another, it's like a friendship test. Because mm-hmm. this is, this is exactly what happened with Amaram. Oh, I love this scene. I love this scene. I'm so excited. Um, and I can't Adolin believe he gave like, it to Moash. <laughs> we'll get there. And Adolin is like, you would be a light eyes. You could challenge Amaram. Yeah, he's your whole life would change. Trying to help him. He's like, I know this is what you want. I know because you messed up. Well, Kala didn't mess up the plan. But he's like, I know because I, I saw this, like how much exactly you want this. And Adolin, yeah, is really confused as to why. But he's like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and not only that, he's like, listen, the assassin's going to come back. And Kaladin is like, do you know what? I'd be more useful without it. <laughs> and Adolin's like, I guess. So, yeah, let me give the shards to Moash. Um, if we shard up one of my best men, there will be three of us what? to fight him, not just two. So, fine, Adolin said, striding back into the room. You, Moash, was it? I guess these shards are yours now. <laughs> Congratulations. You now outrank 90% of Alethkar. Pick yourself a family name, ask to join one of the houses under Dalinar's banner, or start your own house if inclined. Like, Moash's life just completely changed. Moash is now a light ice. Mm-hmm. Considered a light ice. We haven't seen his eyes change Considered yet. Considered a light ice. Yeah, we haven't seen his eyes his eyes change. I think everyone's interested to see if this will really happen because everyone keeps mentioning the, oh, they say if you have, you know, this, you become a light eyes. And so, like, your eyes turn light and people are kind of disappointed when Moash is finally, like, all dressed up and has everything. They're like, oh, your eyes didn't change. And Adolin's like, well, it might take a couple weeks. Like, he's got to bond with his blade. He's got to bond it yeah, first. yeah. Uh, have we talked about how you bond a blade? Yeah, with yes, Renard, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to, like, carry it around and camp out with it yeah. for, I don't know, a long time. Like, two weeks at least. I bet it's... I think it's ten days. I bet it's ten days. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. But uh, <laughs> Rock has had something cooking for two weeks, which I feel is not very hygienic. They're, no, Emily! They're going to go have victory stew that's been simmering and bubbling for two weeks. Which means it's been kept at a bacteria-safe temperature for two weeks. Can't do it. Do you know what peas porridge is? Hot. Okay, sing, say the whole rhyme. Peas porridge, porridge hot. Peas porridge cold. Peas porridge in the pot nine days old. Blech. So, peas... <laughs> Stop it. Peas porridge is a term for, because they didn't have refrigerators, you know, back before the advent of electricity. And so one of the only ways you could keep leftovers food safe without getting sick is keeping them boiling, keeping them cooking for a long amount of time. Because bacteria can't survive above a certain temperature. It's only when the food cools down and is left without either refrigeration or or extreme heat that it becomes unfood safe. So peas porridge is a cauldron that would always be over the fire. It's like an eternal stew, and you would put your leftover vegetables and meat in it. No, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) And it would just be cooking. It's like when you're... (laughs) 
Anyway, Rock has been cooking an incredible stew like the ratatouille back for two weeks. And I bet it's delicious and the food is tender and it's juicy. (laughs) Anyway, oh, uh, I want to jump back to Moash picking up his shard blade for the first time. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? This is a special moment for Moash and we're not going to ruin this for him. I will let him Uh, have this. What kind of gemstone is set into the pommel, Emily? Oh, that one was uh, he- Heliodor. Heliodor? Yeah. H-E-L-I-O-D-O-R. Mm-hmm. It's like a yellowish emerald. So it's a very, very, very warm colored emerald. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it flashed with a burst of light when Moash like picks it up. Um, here's the thing, though. I feel this is a misstep. Because now that Moash is all outfitted, Kaladin comes to him and says, hey, guess what? Your friends are right. And uh, we're going <laughs> to, I'm going to agree with their plan and I'm going to do whatever they want to help them accomplish your task. Like Kaladin. Okay. Here's what I'm hoping. I am hoping that Kaladin is doing this to get close to them to figure out what the plan is to stop the plan. But it doesn't, like, I don't. That's what I want to happen. I actually think that Kaladin is like, yeah, Elokar is bad news and needs to be gone. All right. Instant replay from our own episode maybe 30 minutes ago. (laughs) Emily said some people like a broken finger or a festering (laughs) limb just need to be removed. Uh, so he's telling Moash he agrees to him, and he has just given Moash this un well, it's fathomable. It's a fathomable power. It's unfathomable. It's without fathom. <laughs> and he's telling him, like, yeah, I'm on your side. Like, oh, this is also. So I feel like Kaladin's time in jail is going mm-hmm. to color everything he does from now on, and mm-hmm. this decision he has made will change mm-hmm. everything. I feel like will remember those that. are two huge characterization plot points that I think might not turn out great in the end. Yep, because uh, he showed his extreme loyalty to the Colin family mm-hmm. and was rewarded with 15 days in jail for yeah. it. So, And like he tells Cal, or Caledon tells Moash, hey, listen, you're doing this for revenge. You can't convince me otherwise. He's like, but me... I am doing this because this is what is best for Alethkar, also the world. But is he? Yeah. Because I'm feeling a very much what we were talking about Amram earlier, convincing himself that the thing I am doing is good because its outcome is good. Yeah. Well, um, also, just before he talks to Moash, um, he talks to Teft a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and like, how did Bridge 4 take this? Yeah. And Teft is like, listen, we talked about breaking you out, but I convinced everyone that was the wrong way to go. That, like, you weren't getting demoted. You weren't getting punished. You just had to spend some time in jail. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, chill with it. They they saw the truth out of it. Yeah. And all of Bridge 4 is mad at Amaranth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I feel well, like, listen, if Dalinar's mad at you, you're a terrible person, you know, and... and that's just how it is. I feel Bridge 4 is angry at you. You don't have long to live. I mean, 
Sadius has been fine this whole time, no, so I days don't think that's true. Let's talk about the heralds in the front of each picture. So, 63, a burning world. Uh, who, Sh- Shalash, who are those heralds? That's Shalash. And mm, mm, I always want to call him like Nathor or Nathan, and I know that's not it. Because that's not who that is. Kn- that's not Nathan. I know. I'm saying I can't remember. Oh, uh, Helmet? Warrior? It's Tom. That's Tom. Okay. So we've got the herald that represents Shalon and the herald that represents Tom in the chapter where she talks to Tom. Got it. Got it. Well, I mean, I guess that's a little on the nose. (laughs) (laughs) And here, 64, we've got Ishar and Shalon. Hey, good job. You remembered Ishar. Because you told me and about him. And I think him. you mean Shalash. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, Ishar gets uh, name dropped in this chapter mm-hmm. is why I would guess he's there. Yeah, yeah. And Shalash is the patron of the, the Light Weavers. So back to 65. We have got the woman with her hair up and the woman with a hood the woman with her hair up is Paula. Palia. Palia. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember who the hooded figure is. The hooded woman is Vev. Vev. Vedolative. Vedolative. Okay. And Vev represents loving and healing, which is, I feel, Shalon is... She's fixing her stepmother's arm, but she's also, like, trying to uh, help Fix everybody else. family, yeah. Yeah, and then Palia is about being learned and giving. And I, I kind of, I would like to say Palia is here being learned, uh, being about Yasna. Yeah, Yasna's notes, Yasna's book. All right, 66. Storm, Storm blessings. blessings. Oh, it's the hooded dude and then the dude with the helmet. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You've guessed the hooded dude earlier I, today. I guessed him earlier today. And I said, not him. Okay. So the, the helmeted guy is a warrior. The helmeted guy is a warrior. We have seen him already today. The helmeted guy is... That's Tom. That's Tom. And then the hooded guy is... Jush. Oh, sorry. No. Um, Justice. But his name is... Sorry, that was my bad. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's Nalen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe, you know what so, I'm going to do? I'm going to deface this book. I'm going to go in and pencil in everyone's name so I can remember the face and the name together. I think what you need in your notebook is... I'm going to screenshot something and send it to you. Okay. It is a list of the heralds. Perfect. And a description of their image. <laughs> Thank you. So I'll send that to you. But um, next week, we're only going to be reading three chapters. Okay. We are going to be reading 67, Spit and Bile, 68, Bridges, and 69, Nice. I'm kidding. Chapter 69 is called Nothing. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's like 50. Anyway, that's good. That's good. So, well, well, do you know what? Do you know what? What? Do you know what? I might give us four, I might give us 
No. Okay. Never mind. Okay. So, yeah, those three chapters. But, Emily, I have really, really, really great news. I'm ready. The very next chapter is a Dalinar point yes! of view. Yes! I've missed this man. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want to know mm-hmm. what is... Ugh. He's up to something. He has to be. He's He's got to be. Suspicious. What's he up to? Well, he's, you know, he's got a plan on... He's got to make the plan to go and and kill the Parshendi. Okay, this is opening so many things because if they go and accomplish what he wants to accomplish, go and kill all the Parshendi once and for all, that will officially end the, it's not a blood pact, it's not a blood oath, it's the honor code. Vengeance pact. Vengeance pact, which will change the course of everything because that's the whole reason they've been on the Shattered Plains. And it has, like, started a whole new community. I mean, there are people there permanently. Like, I'm afraid that, okay, if this happens and they do that, which I don't think they will, but I'm saying if they were to go and do that, the Alethi would just go find somebody else to fight. Like, they would just go start another war. So I don't don't know if, if Dalinar's trying to end all war. Or just this one. Like, I don't know what he wants to do instead. You know? I don't think he wants to settle down and retire, even though he has Navani. Like, what does he think will happen once the war is over? That's what I want to find out. He's trying to unite them. Mm-hmm. And then what? The visions didn't say... Oh, no. Yeah, no. The visions are telling him to reunite them because the desolation's coming. So he's trying to unite humanity in the face of the desolations. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll accept that as an acceptable answer. All right. Well, uh, my name is Megan, and I have one last thing to say about this that I didn't notice. At the beginning of chapter 66, where Kaladin was like, Bridge 4 must secretly hate me. They must be glad that I'm gone. They must not want me. The very last line is, he jogs off to rejoin Bridge 4. And Moash goes off to the training ground leaving Bridge Four celebration behind. But to be fair, if I got literally You're the coolest, most traitor. expensive weapons in armor. <laughs> hey, he hasn't done anything like that. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's fine. Literally everyone who hates Moash is overreacting. <laughs> I say winking to the camera. <laughs> like I can't I can't hate him for that. I mean like yeah, when you get a new shiny toy, the first thing you want to do is try it out. Like, I get why he goes off and does that. I'm just mad that listen, he has it in the first place. Listen, I know we're so out of time, but, I mean, it's pretty clear to you that everyone online hates Moash. And I've never been so, online. You've never <laughs> been on the internet <laughs> ever. Well, I've never been on, like, fan pages or anything like that. I, yeah, I don't so, know what the general consensus is for Moash, but I'm... We talked about you love him. Yeah, I do. So I'm going to ask you, why do so many people say Moash? Oh, huh. I think he's going to betray them so that he can get revenge because that is okay. very important to him. And mm-hmm. I listen, I can't really blame him. If my family was killed by someone, I don't think I would rest until I had justice, even if I had to take it into my own hands and maybe it wasn't the justice everybody else wanted it would be the justice i wanted so like i don't feel i can blame moash for that but uh readers tune in and we'll see what emily can blame moash for in the future (laughs) it's probably nothing probably (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh no. He he. Uh, listen, I'll tell you. Huge spoiler. He wakes Calvin up at two a.m. one day. Good payback for vengeance, and everyone hates him for it. They're like, that's the worst thing anyone could possibly do. <laughs> I stand by it. All right, readers. Well, we've only got like five hundred pages left in this book. I'm so excited. I'm looking at my I'm looking at my bookshelf with Oathbringer and Rhythm of War, and I'm so excited to get into them. Oh, I. Um, the same. I also feel the same. I'm excited for you to get into those books, but I, oh, I'm so glad you're enjoying these. I am. Thank and you for making me view it. Yep. Uh, you're welcome. I'm getting a lot of pleasure out of this. Awesome. Uh, we took an informal poll on our Discord. Mm-hmm. You didn't get to see it, but I asked about Moash uh-huh. on our Discord and got what our... Oh, no. You disappeared and I can't hear you. Wait, I'm still here. Are you still here? Yeah, I just saw you. You don't have the video on anymore. I, th- I can hear you though. Okay, yeah. I opened Discord in a new window uh-huh. like an idiot. And so my Discord call shut down. Okay. So um, when we get to the end of this book, I will tell you what our Miss Mivy Discord, what the, the Moash like and hate range is. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Well, Megan, I'm going to bid you adieu. I'm going to go shave my legs to go to a party. (laughs) I got to feed my dog. He's been so patient. That's what I'm going to go do. So. All right. Well, I'll catch up with you later. I love you. I love you. And guess what? What? I believe in you. (gasps) I believe in you too. Ready? Break. Break.